0: We have to do an autopsy. What? I told you, we have to make sure how she died.
1: And I told you, she drowned.
0: I'm not so sure. I... I have to see inside of her.
1: You're disorientated. Half your systems... I have a very,
0: very good reason.
1: Well, perhaps you'd like to share that reason.
2: Possible. Contagion.
1: What kind? Cholera? There hasn't been a case of cholera reported for 200 years. Please. Welcome to Screen Run. I'm the Lady Wan and I'm here with... Chris Calza,
2: featuring (laughs) Super Special Guest. I'm Sean.
1: Screen Run is the show where Chris and I, and sometimes a guest, discuss the films of a particular artist or franchise. Season two is Alien, and this is our third episode. So, well, this is our, like, cubed episode, I guess, right? Because we're going to do Alien 3. Super three script.
2: times the fun, <laughs> three times the danger, yeah, three <laughs> times the host.
1: That's true, though. We are more accurate than the tagline for this movie. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I never quite understood that three times the suspense, the danger, and the terror.
1: There's not three aliens. Why is it called that?
2: Right, and there's not... There aren't three bad guys, you know, like a Spider-Man 3 type thing.
1: No, I don't understand. Like, okay, we didn't talk about this in the first two episodes, but the first two movies have some of the greatest taglines in films. Right. Like, in space, no one can hear you scream, and... This time it's war. Those are so good. And then with mm-hmm. this one, what the hell are we even talking about?
2: I don't
0: I don't know. It's, let's, it's, let's, it's nonsense, yeah.
2: I wanna <laughs> ask yeah, Sean, I wanna get your, your thoughts yeah. on this. But first off, I think we should get your bona fides. What what makes you qualified like any other middle aged ish, youngish or you're not middle aged, youngish white male who thinks he should be on a podcast. What do you get here? What brings you here to us today? Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> who let you in?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I just Stumbled upon the link. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I have no idea who you people are. No. um, Yeah. So I was on first run and yeah, I think I, I think I talked about on there that I love horror movies. And uh, so, yeah, I grew up watching the alien movies and I really hate, Prometheus. (laughs) Prometheus. <laughs> I Real. hate that movie so much.
2: <laughs> oh, I have to do you talk like it? You about I, I I enjoy Prometheus. Yes, I do. Mm.
0: I I can't stand it. I just <laughs> I tried to watch it again recently-ish. I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago, and I couldn't even get through it. I just
1: oh, man, I can't wait to watch it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought Covenant was okay, but
2: agreed.
1: They should put that on the box.
2: What made you say, like, I want to talk about (laughs) Alien 3? What is it about this film that kind of piqued your interest?
0: It's not the best movie. And um, I usually find it more interesting (laughs) to talk about movies that are bad or not that good or something Mm -hmm. like that.
2: That's interesting. I think that's a a, a good way and a fun way to look at it. So thank you so much for taking the time to uh, join us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Ms. Wan... Mm. Break it down. <laughs> what is alien, I think was the joke that Sean had said prior, cubed all about? Cube,
1: cubed. All right, well, first of all, I just need to say that there are certain red flags that you are aware of as a mm-hmm. movie nerd when you're watching a movie. I think most of us would agree that if a movie starts and there's just a whole bunch of text on the screen explaining what's about to happen, that's a red flag.
2: Oh yeah, like Terminator?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do that to me. Don't undermine my argument. Okay, it's okay. mostly true. An exception can prove the
0: rule. <laughs> okay,
1: It's a red flag. It is not a deal breaker. It's a red flag. And I'm going to say that another one of those red flags is the phrase based on characters by. In our opening credits, we get the nightmarish combination of based on characters by, story by, and written by. Which reminds me of the old football cliche: when you have two quarterbacks, you have none. When you have this many people contributing to a story, you don't have a story. I don't know what's going on here.
2: Yeah, you had seven cooks in this kitchen, right? Too you had many. Gibson, William Gibson, Eric Red, David. How do you say it? Twoe? I'm gonna go. Tui. Tui. Yeah, I think it's Tui. Tui. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Director Vincent Ward comes in with some ideas. He gets uh, booted. Walter mm-hmm. Hill and David Guiler come around and make a script as well, and then of course Fincher adds in some stuff as well.
1: <sighs> yeah,
0: yeah. Does it does it even mention Gibson in the credits? In remember. the film's
2: credits? Oh, that's a good yeah. question. I don't think so. I think it's, I don't think it does. Yeah, I think it's it's Walter Hill and David Guiler's script, and I think there's a story credit to Vincent Ward, and I think that's Correct. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: there is nothing really credited to Gibson. Heads up for the audience: we are going to do another episode our next episode Mm. is going to be on the unproduced screenplay the william gibson alien 3 we're going to talk about that in a separate episode because we're going to get all all into that goodness today we get to talk about the mess that was actually made
2: so Juan, break this down for me so it's (laughs) aliens is over Mm
1: -hmm.
2: our we have our small survivors a group of survivors are hopefully making their way back to earth right That Mm -hmm. film ends so wonderfully Mm -hmm. and it's the happy ending we're all looking for. So then Mm -hmm. I'm assuming Alien 3 picks up right after that and they get picked up by like whatever the galactic version of a cruise liner is and they enjoy a wonderful retreat back home, right? So how does Alien 3,
1: what's what's the story? (sighs) Alien 3 obviously starts with all of the nonsense that I just said as far as red flags on the screen, but we also... We're just going straight into mid credits like showing you an egg, showing you a face hugger. There is no like we are breaking the recipe that we've had with building tension. We're just like no, no, we're doing this. We're doing this in the credits and um we're just going to kill our characters who who we had left. You know that small child that you all got behind. You were all just like loving the relationship and how she has been saved. She's dead. Now we're just going to kill this kid (laughs) during the credits. Like this movie basically opens by saying, fuck you to the audience. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Now I want to ask Sean a question about that. So supposedly the thought process behind that, right. is Fincher wants to show to you that nobody is safe. Mm -hmm. All right. He wants to put you on your toes from the beginning and say this is going to be this kind of gothic, terrifying horror film where anybody could go at any minute. Mm -hmm. Do you think he was successful in presenting that with that introduction? And then how do you think, Sean, he carries that through for the rest of the film? Does he, air quotes, even do it? Because that's the big issue I'm sure we'll talk about, is the studio's interference with this film.
0: I mean... (sighs) I kind of feel like we know that already. I mean, that like no one is safe. Like, I mean, we kind of had two movies of that. So I don't need know that you need to kill off the like Juan was saying, you know, the characters that we came to love. I don't think you really need to kill, kill off, kill them off, you know, to get that. Yeah. I mean, and just like the movie that ensues for better or worse. I mean, it just kind of. Because they're all prisoners on this, you know, this forgotten prison planet, and mm-hmm. I feel like you know that tells you that no one's safe. Also, so I mean, yeah, that they're they're like expendable, you know. So right, so
1: yeah, that, that's kind of the problem, though, right? Is like no one is safe, but you you killed the only people other than Ripley that I knew going into this movie. I don't care about any of these. What I put in my notes was um, prison space pirates all these random bald british men i was like i can't tell any of you apart like i don't care about any of you
2: oh yeah i mean they're the alien version alien universe version of you know the star trek red shirts they exist just to be cannon fodder they're just victims i feel to just up the the violence and the death count which don't get me wrong in some ways I'm okay. I'm all in on that. All right. Knock off as many people as you can. Yes. But, do that. And and as horribly terrifying as possible. Yeah. I, I feel like, like I that. keep getting away from it and I apologize. <laughs> this one. So Come on back. they're they're in cutting with this space scene within flashbacks or present backs. I'm not sure what you would call flash flash presents mm. of what happened to Ripley and Hicks. Mm-hmm. And Newt, what happens? How do we get to this prison planet? What's what's going on here when she lands? Ugh.
1: Ugh. So much nonsense. So we get we get a fire, we get flashes of there's an alien egg on their part of the ship. Okay, sure. Don't don't really know when that allegedly happened, but fine, whatever. Then we get a beam of the ship kills Hicks. Not even an alien, just straight up he gets impaled. So he dies. And then we get the face hugger on Newt. But then what we find out later is that Newt drowns in her tube in the cryo tube. So the face hugger that was inside of, again, this child that was like the Jonesy of the second movie, the one to protect, <laughs> she has an alien inside of her, which at some point, crawls out of her and into Ripley without Ripley having a face hugger. And there's just like cuts of all of this. So you kind of know what's happening. You kind of, some of it's still a mystery to reveal later, but essentially Ripley crash lands on prison camp planet and everybody's dead except for her. And she's kind of close to dead. She's not having a great day.
2: So I didn't catch that. I, maybe I missed that. So you, and and Sean, you can weigh in on this too. Maybe i I just misunderstood something. I thought, that Ripley did get a face hugger. She just, it just died while she was still before they landed. And that's how, so that's a big, by the way, spoiler, everybody <laughs> is that, uh, Ripley actually has an alien inside her. And then in, yeah. in the, in the assembly cut, it's revealed that it's a queen. And I don't believe that's revealed in the theatrical version. It is. It is. It is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah watched,
1: she, she does. I watched both. That. Yeah.
2: All yeah. right, I did watch them both too, but I didn't I must have missed that part of it. So okay. she
1: she does say it because she says that this one's a queen and it can make thousands more. Gotcha. So she does say that. But that that's what I understood from the reading that I did and from watching this several times, is that's why her throat hurts, is because it crawled into her while she was out. So it didn't oh. get laid in her, but it crawled out of Newt and into her. That's why when they're doing the oh, autopsy wow. on Newt, she doesn't have one in her. Yeah, it is the face hugger on Newt. Like that's what they show. That flash. That's her.
0: Yeah, I don't think I picked up on that. And the the Maybe assembly cut. I feel like it made a lot clearer what happens probably than um than in the the theatrical release. But I still didn't get that. So.
1: It's it's messy. Everything in this is messy. Yeah. And I will say, I did not watch the assembly cut because I wanted to just have the experience of what happened, like what just came out. Right. Plus, I want let, to let you guys deal with all of that. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's...
0: it's not really worth it, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs>
1: well, Sean, I think
2: the assembly cut is better. Now, let's be mm. clear. I it's think not it is a...
0: better, but...
2: And it's not a director's cut, right? Fincher has right. basically right. disowned yeah, this thing. He, he refused to participate.
0: To they tried to use his notes from when it was in production. They tried to use his notes to recreate what he what he wanted, from what I understand. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he he refused to participate in in the assembly <laughs> cut.
2: Yeah, I, I I think it's a better experience because A, it fleshes out the characters more. Some of the things that happen in the theatrical version make a little more sense because we get like, you know, prior or follow up dialogue, which explains Mm -hmm. some of the things that Mm happen. There's a one whole sequence that's just cut out where at one point that they capture the alien. And then this one one of these characters is like kind of obsessed with it. And Mm -hmm. he actually releases it. And I mean, there's okay, a, that's better. <laughs> and there's a couple other little things in there, like a couple other. There's a little more. They, you know, they ratched up the violence and stuff. Like when they're painting the walls with that flammable poison type stuff, there's mm-hmm. more people get taken out mm-hmm. yeah. in the in the assembly cut. I mean, there is a uh, some interesting stuff. One of the other big things too, Sean, if you want to talk about too, is the host change. Yeah,
0: there's no dog in this one, even. <laughs> even mm-hmm. though they left in the part later like where <laughs> he he like calls to the dog when during the first kill and like the alien is in like a hole or as an event or something mm-hmm. and he's still calling he, he said he calls to spike or whatever it was whatever the dog was uh so <laughs> they left that in but yeah there's no dog it's um it's an ox
1: is what i prefer that yeah not, I gotta not tell you a too. fan of killing dogs in movies
2: I am the same way. I like you tip, now. Yeah. I've gotten to a point where you lose like a letter grade-ish yes. if you kill a dog <laughs> in a movie. Right?
1: Oh, I remove one <laughs> whole point every time.
2: <laughs> so I was much happier with the uh, oxen yeah. or the ox being the uh, host instead of the dog.
1: That's an improvement for sure. Everything I read did make it sound like the assembly cut is a better version of it. But then I just I have to read this. This is David Fincher just this is what he said is i had to work on it for two years i got fired off of it three times and i had to fight for every single thing no one hated it more than me to this day no one hates it more than me that's david wow. fincher on alien 3 so you know do you think they put that on the box <laughs>
2: <laughs> makes more sense than the uh three times the stuff but uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this is just studio interference, the movie, right? If you're looking yeah. for a prime example of what can go wrong. And my understanding, too, that basically it's because they had first, all right, here's our release date.
1: Yeah. And what? they
2: worked backwards from there. What are
1: you doing? It's, it's absolute insanity. They were reshooting the ending four days before the movie came out in theaters. Jesus. Because it was too close to the end of T2. And honestly, it's still the same ending. Like, what did you fix? Like,
2: yeah, I mean, they would spent what seven million dollars mm. on sets and stuff before the script was done. And yes. listen, the set design in this thing is great; it looks great. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. the problem is, you're shooting a film without a script. You're getting updated pages, you know, daily, yeah. and Venture's got to figure this out and work around it. You I know, mean, this is his first mm-hmm. film. This after yeah. he did some music videos and some commercials, right. he had gained some. Uh, I hate to work that's it's not technically correct, right? Notoriety he had gained some fame for that work. And he gets handed this just tornado of chaos Such that he's got to make a film for. And think about it. I mean, you start off with two insta-classics.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Alien is a perfect film. Aliens yeah. is one of the best action kind of horror films ever made. Yeah. And really, you're, you can only really go down from here. From, yep. You know, but there's still the crown jewel of what a 20th century Fox's mm-hmm. stable. This is one of the big things that helps keep them afloat. Yep. And to go in with no script, basically and not know what you're doing. It just blows my mind.
1: Yeah. Just exactly. Like you said, they started with the release date and worked backwards and, you know, they marketed it as like, Oh, alien on earth. And then like, that's, that's not at all. What happens in this movie? <laughs> That's kind of
0: my, pro- uh, it's a big part of my problem with this movie is that it's just the first one, but dumber. Yes! Like, <laughs> it's,
1: they
0: just, they remade the first movie, but made it a lot more stupid.
1: Yeah. They just added more people, developed those characters less, made them all basically look the same. Uh, it just, it it's doesn't even compare to the first one. It's just so frustrating, but but it does look good. Yeah, There's that. Roger Ebert called this movie, the best looking bad movie I have seen in a while. And James Cameron called it an admirable failure. (laughs) So...
2: I mean, Fincher makes some interesting calls, right? How he basically top lights the whole film. Almost all the time, the light's coming Mm -hmm. from above. Mm -hmm. And he shoots from below. Right? Almost all the time, too. Almost every scene, almost everyone, you're looking up at people, right? So, I mean, he makes some interesting, really i think uh directorial choices on this and i think camera's not that off i mean really maybe if they had a solid script from the beginning they could have done something with this thing but i think just the chaos is Mm -hmm. just ends up just derailing the entire project
1: oh completely i think that's kind of what's so disappointing about it is you have a talented director you have a franchise that has a a fan base Ready for another one? As the studio, you're so focused on we got to get a hit, we got to bank on Alien. That's going to pay all the bills. That instead you make it so that you don't you don't get what you should out of it. But the problem is, it's still kind of successful, right? It makes 55 million dollars domestically, over a hundred million dollars overseas. It's one of the first American movies that made the majority of its box office money overseas. So the franchise continues except for critics hate it and fans are annoyed and it's just it's so disappointing but it wasn't a disappointment enough to like kill everything going forward
2: Sean I don't know what do you think what are your thoughts on this thing is it a beautiful disaster is it a missed <laughs> opportunity or
0: yes it it does yeah I agree it looks great it's very uh-huh. it's very grimy I mean you see a lot of that in Finchers later work same yeah. with Chris you mentioned like the lights are above, and he's kind of shooting from below. Like, you see that a lot in, like, Fight Club. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, you can definitely see, like, Fincher's fingerprints, like, where, you know, and what he would go on to do. Yeah. So that's good. I mean, right? We got, <laughs> uh, you know, we get that out of it. I will say, like, Chris, you might, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but, like, I feel like in the assembly cut, the, mm. the effects are better. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, I think they I cleaned
0: think- up the effects.
2: I think so well. for the most part. I think it does still suffer from some mm-hmm. composite effects issues, and then I think that's just yeah. a limitation of the technology at the time, yeah. right? But I think I would agree with you for the most part. Yeah.
0: Another th- another one another one of my big complaints is like they don't really make good use of their best actors. In the mm. movie, besides Sigourney mm. Weaver. Pete Postlewaite has like two lines. Yeah. I think.
1: <laughs> I was so disappointed. I <laughs> yeah. thought we were gonna get more from him. I was like, I know who he is. I don't know who any of these other bald guys are, but I don't know who he is. And no. No. Wasted. Yeah.
0: I think he has I think he has like even less screen time in the assembly cut. I think. <sighs> or maybe, maybe it's just because it's longer, it makes it mm. seem like that could yeah. be it too. But then like Charles Dance, like. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a lot of a lot to do. I mean, he's really great, and every time you see him, he steals the he steals the scene. I feel like, but mm. but he's just you know he he gets taken out
2: pretty quickly. Yeah. But again, to make you feel unsafe, right? Anybody can go at any. That's time. true. That is true.
1: There's good ideas here. There's good things that they were kind of working with, but yeah, just the studio made it absolutely impossible for Fincher to put anything together that was going to make sense and. To her credit, Sigourney Weaver defended him when it came out. She was like, "He was in an impossible situation. Like truly, he was up against it." And the failure of this movie is not on him. And you know, it might have been because of all of her defending him with the clout that she had at the time uh, that he got to continue making movies. And then, you know, we still we still got him turning him out. So good for her. Yeah. Good for Sigourney. <laughs>
2: The documentary stuff I watched and everything I've read is—it it was pretty universal praise from the cast on working with Fincher. Mm-hmm. They were all really impressed with him, the, his shot selections. He knew what he was doing yeah. all the time, you know. So I think, yeah, just a guy just ran into, like you said, he ran into an impossible situation. Unfortunately, but um yeah. it's too bad.
1: Yeah, it is. So because we've got sigourney weaver as a producer of this movie uh fox wanted her to be a producer to kind of make sure it was going to get done uh they need her to be happy because they know that ripley is their bank so her say was written into her contract that uh hill and guyler would have final draft on the script because she didn't think anybody else could write ripley correctly um so she needed them to have final draft and she also needed to make sure that there were no guns in the movie because Sigourney Weaver doesn't like guns. Now, I respect that personal belief. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But if you're anti-gun and then you, as the producer, say, well, we're not putting guns in this movie, it's probably not going to support your anti-gun message. If your character in the movie is like, oh, I wish we had guns. Like, (laughs) all you're doing is pointing out that sometimes guns are helpful. Like, I know this is an extreme situation, but... Like, I feel like it undermined her argument to be like, you're telling me we don't have any weapons? Yes, that was your your idea, Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it kind of ruins the argument.
2: That's funny. I hadn't thought about it that way at all. You're entirely right.
1: Yeah. Ripley wants guns. Mm-hmm. Sigourney Weaver was like, there will not be guns in this movie. And then Ripley is, is out there like, are you kidding me?
2: <laughs> well, she said that, right? She eventually wanted to do it without any guns. She wanted yes. one where she would die.
1: Yep. This is what she wanted. She, she got wanted t- Ripley to have those an boxes. alien in her. She she got what she wanted, but did anybody else want it? Mm. <laughs> it's tough to say. So I want to
2: talk about a little bit about that too, right? So she goes, she thinks Skylar and Hill, and then of course Cameron are yeah. uh, the people who can write Ripley effectively. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the different kind of stories Story beats that this film had at some point or another. So I guess it started off originally where Guiler, Hill and Carroll, the original producers from the first film, they have carried mm-hmm. through. Wanted to go deeper into the whole bioweapon thing, right? So they yes. they initially they're thinking about doing a two parter with Hicks playing mm-hmm. the major role, yeah, and then Ripley kind of coming back for the fourth film, yeah. Where I guess they they just come across this what is it some station or something where they that the corp, the company is experimenting on the aliens to create these bioweapons. Yes. All right, so that doesn't really go anywhere. Then they bring in Rennie Harlan, Mm -hmm. and he wants to go to the alien homeworld, which is something Ridley Scott does eventually in Sean's beloved Prometheus. (laughs) Well, I guess it's not the alien's homeworld, right? I guess I get into... With that, and particularly Covenant, where we just go, well, I don't want to spoil it. Let's not spoil it, Sean, for <laughs> for Lady Wan about you know the history of all that stuff. It's coming. And then you go on the William Gibson script, which is what we'll be doing the audiobook version next, which yes. is basically was mockingly called Space Commies, Hijack Alien Eggs, Big Problem in Mall World.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
2: So we won't talk too much about that, because we're going to dive headlong into that on the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. So then they bring in uh, Eric Redd, who wrote The Hitcher, which is one of the greatest horror films of the 20th century, I think. Really well done and <laughs> underappreciated, though I think it's kind of gotten its due now the last mm. 10 years or so. And then, of course, the classic vampire film Near Dark, featuring Bill Paxton and Lance Henriksen. Anyway, they encounter this, the, the new batch of Marines encounter the Solaco, find all the crew dead again, and that mm. one moves to a small, eventually biodome city in the United States where they face off against an alien horde. Mm. Then we bring on David Tui. <laughs> who comes up with the prison planet idea, yep. which then is being used as a base to experiment on the aliens. At this point, Rennie Harlan checks out to do The Adventures <laughs> of Ford Fairlane. He's like, I've had enough yeah. of this. This is never getting done. Yeah. Which is, of course, the Andrew Dice Clay film. Joe Roth, <laughs> the president, president of Fox, then says, listening to the Lady one, saying, Ripley is the centerpiece of this franchise, and we're not going to make this film without her. Yeah. And then that's when they bring on the director, Vincent Ward, to direct the movie. And his idea, which is what... <laughs> I still can't wrap my head around. Not only does he want Ripley's escape pod to crash on this monastic planet, right, mm-hmm. where it's just this this small group of monks. Yes. And they view the alien as the devil incarnate. Yes. But it's a wooden planet.
1: Yeah. What does that even mean?
0: <laughs> you know, I saw that when I was looking up some stuff, and I uh, I was just like, I saw that that it was a wooden planet. Oh, like, what? It didn't really... I think it was late at night, and I didn't really, like... <laughs> Register my brain, but now it's like, wow,
1: it's so nonsensical. (laughs) Like, oh, why, why? Why? So, did the
2: monks create this gigantic wooden planet, like in a space dry dock?
1: What is that? What is that? And then have a
2: force field around it or something?
1: Is it like, like if the Death Star was made of wood?
2: Right,
0: (laughs) the Amish Death Star.
1: (laughs) I mean.
2: You got you got to go oak with that too. You can't go. Yeah, yeah. There's no do. balsa or uh, Maha- particle mahogany.
1: board. I just, it's crazy. What what an idea!
2: And then eventually, Vincent Ward gets fired because the studio has a bunch of changes they want to make, and he's like, mm-hmm. "No, I'm not doing it."
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, there we go. And then yeah. what Hill and Gyller said, "All right, we're going to write this damn thing." They use Fasanos some elements from that script. They hire, yeah. hide, hire David Fincher, and we are off to the races as we stumble along now
1: yeah just haul an ass through production without a plan they were filming scenes and then the next day they'd find out that that scene had been cut like all of the day's work before was for nothing people didn't know where the story was going there was no sense of like consistency for characters nobody Mm -hmm. knew what was going on everybody on set was completely confused
2: I can't imagine working under those conditions.
1: No, no, and also you're doing it for a director who's never made a feature length movie at this point. So who's your fearless leader? Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) What an absolute mess. I'd say like it's one of the biggest messes in in movies, but I feel like there's been so many more since then. It might be top 10 though.
2: Oh, I don't. I can't agree with that. I've seen like, much Like as far as the
1: production, films. the potential, that I'm not talking about some of the worst movies ever. I'm talking about a movie that got absolutely sabotaged through the production.
2: Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I am I may be inclined to agree with that. Especially with such a premier property. I mean, this isn't just yeah. some
1: This is some Justice League shit. I'm just gonna yes. say it. It is. It's like it's Don't, cobbled together. Just I'm, careful. I'm gonna make, Don't all, make them all bear. mad. I'm going to make them all mad. We're going to tag them. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying that it's like you're you're pulling directors, you're pulling screenplays, then the studio is like hell-bent on a distribution date. There's a lot of similarities to what happened with Justice League. It was like full steam ahead. We got to have a Justice League. No, movie. you're right. And it was like, okay, you just picked a release date and then we're just rushing to it? Okay, oh my God, what a mess. It's very similar. It's just disappointing, I got to say. I'm getting the
2: feeling you did not like Alien 3.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I, I have to say, like, my problem with this is that it's the disappointment. You know, it's not that it's a terrible movie. That yeah, would, I mean, be I kind agree of with fun that. If it there was are, terrible. <laughs> there
0: are a lot of worse movies. But, oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, it's the disappointment and just like knowing like you said, it was just kind of cobbled together and mm-hmm. you know.
2: Well, let me ask you, Sean, what did you like about Alien 3?
0: Well, I mean, I, I think we pretty much covered it. Like, yeah, the the production design mm-hmm. is really good. I You know, I feel like it does create a lot of tension, you know, like with being this like this uh, all-male prison colony. And then she's like the only woman. I, I, I like that idea at least in a vacuum. I don't really think we needed the scene where like they were like going to rape her or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I feel like that's like when mm-hmm. subtext becomes text, you yeah. know? And <laughs> so I feel like, I feel like they, they could have cut that. I don't really feel like that was necessary, but uh, I think it's just enough that like, cause they mention over and over again, like, you know, they're not used to having a woman around and mm-hmm. they're rapists. I don't think you need to like actually show them going to rape Rip Ripley yeah. But I like that that general idea. The production design was good. Um like I mentioned Charles Dance was really great.
2: What about Charles Dutton?
0: Yeah, he was good too. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, they they did make pretty good use of him. But yeah, like I I do agree with with Juan with um yeah, it's just like you get all these like middle-aged, slightly overweight, bald white guys. <laughs> and you know, you can't tell them apart when when they die cuz you know, spoiler alert they pretty much all die (laughs) you're like who is that like whoa
2: yeah yeah well let's be fair i think there were two people of color who were killed as well Uh, very few lines yeah they have more in the assembly cut but not much
0: not much like because you have charles s Mm dunton and you have the other the other guy the second um uh, person of color he has like a bigger death scene in the in the special edition the assembly cut Yeah. yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And let's not forget, Holt McElhaney is one of the uh, inmates too. Before he was, right? Ish.
0: Yeah. The the guy with like the the teardrop. Yeah. And uh, yeah. but I think they almost completely cut him from the. I don't. I don't think he's in the the assembly cut in, like at mm-hmm. all.
2: I think. Well, he's the one that sacrifices himself to trap the alien. Was he? Yeah. So that's okay. He has a bigger part there, ish. I guess. But that's where he, that's how he gets taken out. At least in the assembly cut. Okay. That's what my notes, when I say when I say my notes, that's what I just wrote on <laughs> Wikipedia. So let me ask you then, Juan, what did you like about Alien 3? Outside of, I think we all mm. universally think the set design was well, well done. What else you got? Take your time. I can play some Jeopardy music. Mm. Your girl. What about your girl? Nothing from uh, your girl Sigourney? Uh,
1: yeah, she was fine. I'm trying to be positive, so I'm trying to think of something that I genuinely liked.
2: You get to see Return of Lance Henriksen? That yes for
1: that's it that's it i gasped when not bishop showed up at the <laughs> very end i don't i don't know that man's name but i'm calling him not bishop and i was like oh my god because i saw you know I saw his name in the credits i was like oh he's gonna be in this and then once his voice was talking out of smashed robot i was like oh man that's all we get and so when he showed up at the end i was like oh my god and i got very excited so yes that's it that's what i liked
2: Supposedly, his full name is Michael Bishop Wheeland or Wayland. He's part of the corporation. Oh,
1: he's oh, part of him? Oh, Wayland
2: Yutani, right?
1: All right. All right. Well, I did like it. I liked him. I liked that he showed up. I liked that he was manipulative. There
2: you go. We got something. <laughs>
1: yeah. Do you have something that you like that you want to say so we can all be positive before I, I go s- into my list of things I have a problem with? <laughs> I will try. <laughs>
2: I think the score for this film... This is Chris Scalzo's score corner. Mm. where the screenwriter, I tend to talk a couple minutes about the scores of the films. Because you have the first two, which are, again, classics like the films. This one is, I'll say, interesting. It is very dark and different. It's very kind of avant-garde. It's more Mm -hmm. effective for, I think, setting an atmosphere more than it has any real, you know, re-listened value. I think that some interesting effects are used... To kind of ratchet up tension and kind of keep you off balance and such. Mm -hmm. But I think Elliot Goldenthal's script for me overall is maybe a little bit too blunt for me. And maybe too experimental. I don't know if I appreciate it more as a piece of music than I do as a score for a film. Interesting too, when I was reading up on it a little bit, there were parts of it that were informed and influenced by the L.A. riots of 1992. Which hmm. you can kind of hear that kind of chaos, which he tries to bring to the yeah. screen sonically. It's interesting. I can't say I enjoy it. I, <laughs> it's not one that I'm keen to ever own or listen mm-hmm. to ever again. It's different. Yeah. It's interesting. And it's an interesting take on a film score. There's no like, you know, swelling strings yeah. to, right. you know, it's with very these beautiful different. moments. It's harsh violins. It's harsh this. It's clangs. It's bangs. It's yeah different. I.
1: Th- I found it very jarring when that Mm -hmm. 90s rock kicks in in the scene that we've established is completely unnecessary where all the inmates are going to attack Ripley. I was just like, what is is this music cue? Because this is happening in the future. Like, why are we listening (laughs) to grunge music right now? It was was just awful. And then I was confused when, like, the victorious music cue hits – when they pour the lead on the alien and the steam is still rising up, I'm like, the music says they got it, but I can't see anything because of all the steam, <laughs> like the music cue comes in too early and then it pops out and it's like, Oh no, he's still there. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's an alien movie. It, there's, a, he's always still there. Like that's what these movies, <laughs> this is only the third one. Like you can't, you can't really be like, Oh, we got you. It's still there. Cause that's, that's what has happened in all of them. So I felt like that sort of like fake victorious music cue, which is sort of like, no, no, we really need to convince you that it's safe now so that you'll be surprised when the alien comes back.
2: Yeah, it's a little it over the just top. It's like overplaying its, its
1: hand. Yeah, I, I have to say though, I did laugh when it like popped. I found that to be very entertaining.
2: Yeah, I think, and I'm curious what you think about that, Sean, too, the score, but I think one of the big issues I have with 90s, Culturally with films and music in general, is the use of that kind of rock. Like you try right. finding a horror film in the nineties that didn't have mm-hmm. that sound to it. I was just started rewatching uh the House of Wax remake, which is actually not bad. But it again relies heavily on that heavy kind of nineties, what do you what I don't know, what do you even call it? It's not alternative or grunge, right? It's kind of a mashup it's, of grungy it's a little metal. Messy I don't,
1: like some speed rock, like yeah, I hate it. it. I, hate I don't, it. I don't mind it when the movie is taking place in the '90s, and it's kind of almost like nostalgic at this point. But this is this is the future in space. Why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Just, so? No, it doesn't. It doesn't work for me.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not as big on uh, scores as as you are, but uh yeah, I mean, I I think it's not the best one, but it, they made some interesting choices. I when I was um talking about that scene, I forgot to mention that how it just that really odd choice of music there. Like I I don't it's know what jarring. yeah. Both times watching it, I was just like, What are they doing here? Fair enough.
1: I wanna I wanna talk about the amount of blood in this movie.
0: Mm-hmm. There is he, a lot, yeah.
1: He, blood from the jump. And I can't tell if there was just so much blood in this movie that by the end of it I didn't care or or if it's that I watched it the same week I watched Squid Game. And so I just like <laughs> pff, violence means nothing to me. But I was like, that's not what we've been doing. Like we've been killing people in these other movies, but it's not been like open a capsule and it's just full of blood everywhere. Right. I was like, what's happened? What what's going on? Why is this so bloody when there's never been blood before? What's happening here? I'm so confused.
0: Yeah, cuz like the first one is like almost completely bloodless. I mean, Damn. like except for the famous scene with John Hurt. That's yeah. pretty much the only time you really see any blood, I think. But yeah, there's there's a lot of gore in this and yeah. I think it's even worse in in the as- assembly cut.
2: From what I understand, Fincher wanted it to be that way. He wanted a really graphic experience. He wanted you to kind of be grossed out <sighs> while you're watching this thing. Yeah. Like the autopsy scene from Newt originally was much more graphic than it is. You see basically everything. Yeah. And they, I guess, was there after the test screenings, a couple of people like the editor or something like they're <laughs> saying like, you're you're not getting that in. There's no way. Yeah. It was so unsettling. So they cut they they didn't cut it, but they did the kind of you know quick cuts and they never really yeah. show you anything. And there was a couple scenes like that where they just eased up because they felt it was just too intense and too much.
1: Yeah, I just found it to be. Such a strange shift in what we're seeing than the other two. And, you know, I understand we've got a different director and a different approach entirely, but. Yeah, a different vision. Yeah. Something about just seeing the alien, like, just kill people and blood going everywhere somehow makes it less scary than the other ones. And this is sort of a weird comparison to make, but if you've seen A Quiet Place and then you've seen A Quiet Place too. In A Quiet Place 2, all of a sudden, we are just watching the alien creature, whatever it is, just stab people with its big, long arms. And I'm like, what's it doing? Because in the first movie, it was so scary that I was never wondering why it was stalking them. I was like, oh, it hunts by sound. Got it. But in the second one, having to watch it just poke at people and just stab them to death, I was like, wait, what? why is it doing this? And that's the thing about like showing this. In this movie, again, I was like, wait, why? Because I understood from the other movies, it wants to cocoon the people because it wants to have them stay put so it can, you know, have an egg hatch and then a face hugger. I got it. It's trying to procreate. In this one, it's just killing people. Is it eating them? I think it's eating them. I don't know.
0: That was really strange, too. Yeah. Because, like, there's one scene, I mean, because it's kind of, like, ambiguous if, like, it's actually eating them. But then there's one shot where he's clearly just. Chowing down on this guy. Chop it away. Yeah. Why? (laughs) Why? That was really strange because I mean, I, I kind of always thought that like the perfect organism, like part of that is like they didn't need to. Yes. Eat and drink and that kind of thing. Right.
1: They're not hunting for food. They're hunting for you know to make nests to to procreate to Mm -hmm. take over. They're they're trying to be a swarm to to eliminate other life forms that all made sense to me without the movies ever at any point having to tell me that I was like, I got it. (laughs) But in this one, I was like, he's hiding in holes and then he's chomping at people. Why? (laughs) What? And I guess maybe the movie wants me to believe that this one, this alien is like kind of a dog or in the assembly cut, kind of an ox, which never occurred to me in watching movies that, that, that the creature that, Comes out of them is kind of human. That never occurred to me. So I don't know why it would be kind of an animal if it yeah. laid into an animal.
0: I, I've read. I read that. That's why. That's why it's yeah. like a quadruped. That's is because,
2: what, Yeah. And then Which like the,
1: makes sense. It takes on right. certain
2: characteristics of the host.
1: Yeah. I guess if you're gonna do that, okay. I kind of get it. Is that why it's eating people?
0: Yeah, but <laughs> like an ox isn't just walking yeah. around eating things. No. I mean, so
2: maybe I it's mean, a. It's a big uh, pro-vegan message that it's saying <laughs> yeah, that maybe. eventually the food you eat will eat you. Yeah.
0: Maybe. I don't know. I, I guess the way I sort of rationalized it is it was like maybe a survival thing that it knew it was the only one. And that's mm-hmm. why it's just kind of like going to town, you know, yeah. um, instead of like aliens where it, they know they have like this, this hive, this swarm. Right. But that's probably just me just trying to rationalize
2: it. I never really thought too much about it. I just thought it was just feeding, you know? And then eventually it knew Ripley was carrying the queen, so it had to protect her. But uh, outside of that, it just, just because it was in an animal and animals exist basically more, they don't have the same thought process that people do, right? Mm. Or at any thought process, a lot of times it's more just survival. You know, eat, sleep, yeah. rest, attack, eat, sleep, you know, and then that's basically it. So that's what it did. So I guess I didn't think as much into it. I'm not a big, uh, you know, brainy thinker like you two. <laughs> I'm just... more like explosions, boobs, <laughs> violence, check, check, check.
1: And then score a corner.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and then yes. Yeah. And then yeah, very subtle, loving yeah. kind of, yeah.
1: And just seeing it just attack somehow like i said it was less scary and i felt the same way in a quiet place too i was like it's way less scary just watching it i would agree people. if i didn't
0: already hate both of those movies <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's the it's the texas chainsaw massacre thing that film is one right. of the least bloody yeah. bloodless horror That's films right. ever yeah but it is terrifying because yeah. right? right. it's all you know what you think is happening or what mm-hmm. you think you see you don't see it but it, yeah. the the image, the sound design is there. I mean, everything is there to make you think that it's the goriest, most violent film you've ever seen, and it's really
0: not. Right. It's almost again. It's almost like completely bloodless. Yeah.
1: This movie really just it made me miss cocooning. You know. The good old I days. Really, <laughs> I Dallas. really missed it. I was I was reading like information about the movie while I was watching it, and to read that like. This is one of the only alien movies that doesn't have a scene of cocooning. I still had like 45 minutes left in the movie and I was like, are you kidding me? No one's going to get cocooned. We're not going to have a room full of just Rude, like bald yeah. cocoon heads. Like all of the, all those prisoners could have been cocooned somewhere. It would have been so cool.
2: You've said yeah. it so many times now. The word cocooned has lost all meaning to
1: me. Cocoon. <laughs> <laughs>
2: cocooned. cocooned.
1: It's just like a bird noise. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cocooned. Yeah, man, I really missed it. <sighs> yeah, he
0: he definitely went for the more is more approach. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah.
2: So, did anybody else hate the ending of this thing as much as I did?
0: <laughs> Which specific part?
2: I guess it's a fair about? question.
1: How much w- of the end?
2: <laughs> I would say the the dive into the. A lava pit, all of a sudden, it's like molten lead. Yeah, I can't, but it's red. Get that
0: either? It's yeah.
2: flaming and red I, when I, it was. I don't know. Anyway. I guess it's a
0: furnace, but I don't really know what.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I don't. I don't. I think my issue with it is, in the end, is the effect is not very well done at all. No, it looks horrible in the theatrical version. Which I think is just—it's just too over the top. There's a chest burster scene, and the alien pops Mm -hmm. out of her chest, and she grabs it, and she pushes it back (laughs) in, or whatever, holds it tight, like
1: holds it while she's free falling into lead.
2: And I rewatched the producer's cut, or excuse me, the assembly cut, and I looked at it again like half an hour before recording because I wanted to make sure I wasn't imagining it. (laughs) I I did it three times, but there is no chest burster in the assembly cut. Yeah, right. Yeah. So what do you think? I think are that's you, better. Yeah. Are you are you, are you a pro chestburster or anti? No, so, no, no. Sean, you're anti. Yeah. Juan, are you pro chestburster or anti?
1: Uh, I got. I guess I gotta say anti because it just it's so silly that she just like hat. grabs it. Just yeah. <laughs> like what? And she's. Uh, it, it's
0: almost it, like it. To me, it like becomes like a parody of itself at that point with the like holding it and then it, it's just pretty ridiculous. Yeah. So the effect is dumb. Yeah, the effects are pretty bad, yeah.
1: Not
2: not a good look. You didn't like the Christ pose either as well? She sacrificed herself.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that mm. um Yeah, I never I never liked that stuff, like in Man of Steel or
2: was what it Man of Man Steel of Steel? Are you telling me Zach Snyder did some kind of Christ motif with Man <laughs> of Steel? <laughs> I never noticed that. <laughs> which yeah, the, which
0: which one is it that one or BVS where he's like floating in space and his arms are stretched out like mm. on a cross, like oh god. Real real subtle there, Zach. Or they all kneel
2: <laughs> they all kneel and reach up to him when he's doing the right. rescue in Mexico. Right. Mm. <laughs> so what I think we're saying is we want Zack Snyder's alien is what we want to see next.
1: Don't <laughs> say it. You know what will happen if you say it. Like please don't accidentally manifest this.
2: Listen, Zack Snyder crew. I liked his cut of Justice League. All right. Don't come after me. I like. Yeah. Uh, yeah we, I think Justice
0: we talked League. about it the, the time I was on uh, first run. But yeah, actually, I didn't hate the Snyder cut. I, um, you know, I, I think I mentioned then is um, I or at least I appreciate what he's doing. He's not making a superhero movie. Right. He's mm-hmm. he's trying to make like a modern day epic, like a Lord of the Rings type of thing. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I appreciate that at least maybe I don't know if I could say I liked it per se. <laughs> but but I appreciate what he's trying to do with that. All right.
2: Well, for the next 3 hours, we'll be discussing. <laughs> <the next hours. laughs> what else? Juan, what you got?
1: All right, I need to complain briefly. I need to get on my feminist soapbox and complain that by making Ripley the only woman and all of the men are bad men, capital B. They're all bad you like tokenize Ripley all of a a sudden it's not you like take away what made her such a great character in the first two which was that it wasn't about like I am the good woman and everyone else is a dumb man but like you you just you take away from it by by putting her with just all criminals who just tell her that they're murderers and they're rapists and like, wh- and then also it just becomes nonsensical that if you're telling me this location was built for 5,000 people, but there's only 25 left, she has to eat lunch with them? Like, no, I'm going to draw the line there and I'm going to be like, oh, I've accidentally landed in prison. I'm not going to eat with the prisoners because this isn't about I want to be accepted as part of the group. This is a bunch of prisoners. Like the fact that it's a prison, Really, really, like, kind of ruins what could be a better story.
2: All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make an admission here because I'm, I'm fascinated by this, but I want to, I don't think I'm quite grasping what you're saying. Okay, so break like, this down for me. What, what, <laughs> which why does she <laughs> shift to kind yeah. of a token represent? Is it a token representation of yeah. feminism of? I mean, I I understand what she's saying.
1: I think it puts the emphasis on the fact that, like, Ripley is a woman because there are comments made. We've never had a woman here. We're not supposed to have a woman here. A woman here is threatening. And it becomes about her being a woman and them being a bunch of, quote unquote, bad men. Not Mm -hmm. saying that, like, all men are bad. It's not that it's literally this is people left over from prison. Like, they are criminals. They have done bad things. Mm -hmm. And by making her the only woman... (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, though, like, if she had just landed in a, you know, like, let's say, like, some kind of, like, work camp... And it's just because we can get into our class stuff, right? That we did in Alien where they're like, they're all on contracts and we've got the difference between the white collar crew and we've got like the blue collar who are like, I think I should get a bigger cut. If she had crash landed into a work colony of people who are being taken advantage of for really cheap labor by the corporation and it's men and women, we can still have kind of the same story. It doesn't have to be a bunch of men who are like, we're not supposed to have a woman here. Mm-hmm. You just draw attention to that part of her character instead of just letting her be a character. Interesting. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it at all.
2: No, I, I agree with you. That's interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it that way. That's uh, yeah. I appreciate that perspective. Yeah. And
1: we could still, if this was like, you know, a, a work camp situation, we could still have a lice outbreak. She could still cut her hair we could still have a whole bunch of bald headed people but they'd be men, women and children living in this terrible place because once again like let's talk about how bad wayland yutani is that it's just like subjugating people all around the universe like right cool like let's get into it <laughs>
0: the this thing kind of makes me think of something else like it i mean it's kind of related but like the whole uh, the one guy cuz there's like there's the warden and then there's like the one other worker guy was it ne- is it necessary to mention that he has an IQ of 85. <laughs> I mean, is that really necessary? I feel like it's not.
1: It was, I think, as far as I could tell, they were just trying to give me some kind of identifying information so that I could tell these people apart. And I still couldn't. I was still just like, I don't know which which prisoner that is.
2: I agree with Juan. I think it's basically just a lazy way to add some yeah. type of depth and personality yeah. or some
1: we didn't... character. We didn't get character development much at all. I will not say not at all. We got a little bit for a few people, but that's kind of the problem is we had a small crew in alien. Then we had our Marines. And then we're also dealing with like the corporate guy, the person on the mission who's never been on a combat mission before. Like you've, we had a bigger group of characters in the second movie and we still had enough for each character that you knew who they were. And then in this, we're adding even more people, and really only two or three are getting any sort of defining characteristics other than like leering prisoner. Oh, yeah, the red shirts. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Eh. You have Charles S. Dutton as like mm-hmm. the spiritual leader, and then yeah. everyone else is just a red shirt. Yeah.
2: Well, the guy, Paul McGann, who played Gullick, uh, had a much larger role. He's the guy in the assembly cut that lets the. Alien out after they've captured it. He's one of the worst of the bunch too. When it comes to the prisoners, he's a mass murderer. He's Mm -hmm. just not well upstairs, and he becomes obsessed with the alien. And I think I enjoyed following. I don't know if "enjoyed" is the right word, but (laughs) that that plot line with him as well. I think it was. It added an interesting dynamic to the film that's excised from the. I would
0: agree with you if it went anywhere after that. It's like he lets the alien out, and then it's just like. Do we see him again? Like, well, the alien kills him. Did did it kill him, kill him? Out. Okay. Yeah, because you don't yeah.
2: you don't see it, but you hear it. You hear oh, it, okay. the screaming and then the whole chomp chomp sound, which is a little more oh, effective okay. than how I just relate it.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Slightly. I like it. <laughs> All right have we Have we covered everything that we want to get into? Do we want to do our favorites and our ratings? I'm
0: good. I think I'm good. I think yeah.
1: Okay. Well, uh, Sean, would you like to go first with who was your favorite performance in this movie?
0: Yeah. Uh, besides, well, I mean, not even besides because I feel like I feel like she's not as good in this movie. So, not even besides Sigourney. I would, I would just say Charles Dance. Yeah, it hmm. was my favorite.
1: Nice. Yeah, I, I, I liked what he was doing. I was surprised when he got, you know killed real quick i was like oh i thought we were really doing something there but okay (laughs) okay bye (laughs) there he goes just whoop right up into the ceiling like i i got it i didn't say this before i guess that's another thing i liked about the movie is that the alien from time to time we just like scoop them up into the ceiling yeah uh, that was kind of fun i like that yeah i was like oh where are they going they're gonna all be cocooned (laughs) just kidding no they're not we'll (laughs) never
2: see that I don't know. I've been going <laughs> back and forth on this since I watched This I was watched hard. The theatrical, I watched the assembly again, documentary, listen to commentary, and I, I can't
1: I don't ha- I don't know. I mean I struggled. It's okay.
2: <laughs> part of me wants to take the easy way out and go with Sigourney Weaver, you know, as Ripley. But I think Sean's right. She's not great she in this. Not and great. I don't know if it's because of the script? I'm not sure. I lean towards Charles Dance. I think he does the best with the material he has out of everybody in the film. Mm-hmm. So I'm leaning towards him. I also liked Lance Hendrickson mm-hmm. um, when he pops up. I think that uh, he was sufficiently devious and yeah. s- kind of just slimily evil. Yeah. Which I always enjoy. Part of me wants to go with Paul McGann, as I said, as as Golik, who... Is the guy that, again that lets out the alien because he was one of the more interesting arcs of the in the entire film. I, I really don't. Charles Dutton is doing his best Charles S Dutton in this film as well. <laughs> so I guess I think the best performance to me I I, I got I I think I'm with Sean. I think it's I think it's Charles Dance.
1: Two for dance. I struggled mightily as well. I went with Charles S Dutton though because. Mm-hmm. His backstory, I found it to be more interesting than dances. Dances felt a lot like a Grey's Anatomy character to me. I was like, that—that <laughs> that sounds like somebody in Grey's. But yeah, I felt like he had a backstory and some semblance of a character arc. You know, him seemingly like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm excited to murder again, and then he's like, no, I'm not gonna murder you because we're gonna kill that alien first, and like he sticks to it. And I, I just, I felt like he had some journey. That he Mm -hmm. completed. So he was my favorite performance in this. There you go. It was tough. It was tough.
2: Yeah. At least (sighs) I have Winona Ryder to look forward to next time. (laughs) Oh my god. I have not
0: seen that movie since it came out. Neither
2: have I. That's out of. I think out of. No. Though in in, that one in the AVPs, I have not seen (laughs) since I saw them. Oh god,
0: that second AVP is just. Oh my god. (laughs)
1: <laughs> my my notes, like my stream of consciousness notes from watching this movie end with, I cannot wait to watch AVP. <laughs> <laughs> so are we doing grades? Let's get into our egg rating on a scale of one to five. And half eggs are allowed. Sean, would you like to go first with your rating?
0: Um, I guess I'll do two and a half eggs out of five.
1: Okay, now
2: split them up for me, unless you don't think you deserve (laughs) to. Assign the theatrical versus assembly.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
2: Um, Unless you don't think there's there's not enough improvement with the assembly cut. I kind
1: of,
0: I kind of feel like there's not. (laughs) I mean, it is it is better. I I do admit it's better, but I don't really think it's enough to tick it up to three eggs. Yeah, fair enough.
2: I'm two, two and a half. So theatrical, I'm giving a two. The assembly cut will go to two and a half for me and that's where I think I'd settle.
1: Okay, all right, we're 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 all, honestly, we're pretty much on the same page here because for me, to, like to describe this movie, it's not terrible, <laughs> but it's not good and they kill a dog. That's like my worst case mm-hmm. scenario in a movie watching experience. So 2.5 for me as well, two and a half eggs, tough stuff. <laughs>
2: Who knows, maybe this audio version of the Gibson script will yeah. be a whole new world for us.
1: We shall see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they did um. They did a comic book on it too. Have you read that, Chris?
2: I have Wait. not, I cannot read. I don't know why people keep bringing this up and embarrassing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanna see if I can track it down and to read uh, that at a ha- time. I
1: have it. No, oh, do you? I do. Did I you read it, it yet? No, it's still in the plastic. I'm. I was waiting until I completed the process no. with this one. So Plastic. It's yeah. It's still in the plastic.
2: Is it worth anything? Is that out of? Is that out of print? Can you grab those?
0: I, I think know, it is. I don't. I think it was like a limited run on it. Yeah. Whether, Whether it's, it's worth anything, I don't Pixar, know.
2: Right. I mean, they're not producing comics that are ten years old on a regular basis. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, it's not even yeah, that old, right?
0: True. No, it's only. I think it was 20, maybe 2019, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was
1: 20. I want to say 2019. I think yeah. it was all along with the 40th anniversary of the first,
2: right. first film. And there's a novelization I to, I believe supposed to hit this year, too. Oh. Like an actual book, book, book.
1: A book, book, book. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I like to use the word three times when I'm uh,
1: well, emphasizing it's, it. it. it's Alien 3, so you should. Exactly. It's like book cubes. Three times
2: the books. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I did. I was out at local uh, music shop the other day because uh, I attempted to pre-order the new David Bowie box set with a gift certificate, and they laughed in my face. But <gasps> no, they didn't laugh for me. They didn't do that. They're nice. Oh. But they had a, the novelization of Alien Three there for ten bucks. Oh. If it was, it was the Gibson script because I didn't know at the time if it was out or not. Mm-hmm. I would have picked it up, but I don't think I need to read the novelization of. God, it could it be better or worse? What would you Ooh. think?
1: I am gonna I'm gonna go with better. Yeah, maybe I will pick I it up if it's still there. It's better. Yeah. You can uh, you can check it out and we can do a bonus episode if you wanna.
2: <laughs> <B-b-b-b-bonus. Yeah.
1: laughs>
2: so in the okay. meantime, yeah. Where can people find us? Are we in wrap-up stage?
1: Yeah, no, we are. I want to say thank you to Sean, our guest.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.
1: Yeah. This was great. Um, I mean, do you want people to stalk you on the internet? Do you want to tell them I'm, how to find you? Or do you want to hide? I'm not that really way?
0: on social media that much. So. Oh,
1: that sounds nice for your mental health. What's that like? <laughs> it's, it's not bad. <laughs> well, thank you anyway. And um, mm. our wonderful listeners won't be able to stalk you. But I'm sure they're sending their positive vibes saying thank Let's you hope. for being on the show. That's <laughs> yeah. all you need. You don't You don't need social media. You just need positive vibes. Us, on the other hand, we, we need the... Um, Affirmation from strangers. So please go follow us on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> the show is at Screen Run. I am at the Lady Juan. Chris is at CG Scalzo, and you can find the show at Screen Run Whatever you could possibly imagine is there because it's a dot fun URL. And
2: if you want to email us, you want to contact the show. You can reach us at Screen Run Fun at gmail.com as well.
1: Yes, please. And that's it. That's it. That's that's an episode. And then we'll be we'll be back with our next episode talking about the unproduced William Gibson script for Alien 3. Sweet. Yes.
2: <laughs> All right, Sean. Thanks again so much. It was a lot of fun. We will talk to you soon. Everybody else, we will see you soon. Take care.
1: Bye.